This is the Sooner Schooner Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. On a scale of Joe Washington's punt return in the 1974 Oklahoma State game to Roy Williams' Superman play in the 2001 Texas game, just how high are you after Oklahoma's 34-30 victory in the Cotton Bowl this past weekend? Just how high are you? Man, we have got a lot to talk about today. We're going to advance the story because that's what we do here. We we advance the story. We're going to talk about what this win means for Oklahoma, what it means ultimately not only for their playoff chances, uh, their opportunity to play Texas again in the Big 12 championship. The Dylan Gabriel Heisman Trophy odds will give you those, tell you how much you can win for entertainment purposes only if you were to go bet on him. Also, we'll talk about what this means for the future and building a program. We'll hear from Dylan Gabriel today. We will hear from Brent Venables. We'll also talk about how OU moves forward after suffering a big injury to Andrell Anthony. And before we go any further, do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating and write a written review. Then take a screenshot of both. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Again, that's Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And he will send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie because Pete is just that nice a guy. Okay, so OU beats Texas 34 to 30 in what can only be described. Okay, look, I am old, man. I am one year past half a century. And I can honestly say I have never seen a more intense OU Texas game in my lifetime. Not the 15-15 tie in 1984 that my father took me to in the pouring rain. Not the 14-3 victory in 2001 where Roy Williams made the Superman play, which we just mentioned, and then Teddy Lehman strolled into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, Not the the Cole McCoy-Sam Bradford game that Texas came back to one. No, that was the full range of emotions which we talked about last week, which is no game in America, no college game in America, brings out the emotion and makes you feel exhausted the way OU Texas does. Not as a player, not as a fan, not as a coach, not as a member of the media. When that game is over, when your work is done, if you're a member of the media, you are absolutely wiped out. Saturday was no different. And to have Dylan Gabriel... Bring OU down with a minute and some change on the clock and hit Nick Anderson for that game-winning touchdown gave him right now the Heisman moment for the year. Now, Vegas odds have Dylan Gabriel at plus 1,200 to win the Heisman. He is right behind Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, and Michael Penix of Washington, who is the uh, number one candidate right now to win the Heisman, at least according to bet MGM. If you were to bet for entertainment purposes only, what does plus 1,200 means? Well, it means that if you were to take $10 and Dylan Gabriel were to win the Heisman, you'd win $120. So go bet somewhere between 50 bucks and $100 on Dylan Gabriel to win the Heisman because it's going to be money well spent And you're going to make a nice chunk of change. Why would I say that it's going to be money well spent? And why do I think Dylan Gabriel's ultimately going to win the Heisman Trophy? 
Well, those three candidates that we mentioned right ahead of him, all three in the same conference, Caleb Williams, well, and actually in order, the three guys in order ahead of Caleb Williams, Bo Nix has got the third best odds, followed by Caleb Williams with the second, and then Michael Penix out of Washington has the best odds right now to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, Penix and Nix play each other this weekend. So whoever wins that game is going to come out as the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. Then later on this year, and I want to think it's, I can't remember if it's in late October or right around November, Caleb Williams in back-to-back weeks is going to have to face Penix, and then he's going to have to face Knicks. So there's a chance that all three of these Pac-12 quarterbacks could kind of cannibalize each other. And while Dylan Gabriel just stays steady, while OU continues to win football games like they will, and as long as he doesn't get sloppy in any particular game or have what I call the anti-Heisman moment, which is throw five, six picks in a game, give up a couple of uh, fumble returns for touchdowns, um, throw an interception at a very inopportune time when either you're driving down to an ex- to extend a lead or take a lead, As long as you don't do any of that stuff, all you have to do is be steady and use the guys around you, and you will be the guy whose name that they call out in New York. And I never thought we would have this conversation about Dylan Gabriel. It's like I told you all last year, all spring long, that he was a stopgap guy, that really, honestly, you were just waiting to get to Jackson Arnold, and all Dylan Gabriel had to do was kind of be a game manager. No, he's a hell of a lot better than I thought he was. And it's time for me to give him my props. And it, it hasn't been just, it wasn't just that drive on Saturday where he dropped the ball right into Nick Anderson. And it wasn't just the run that he made, which my 14 year old son and I joked, it's like, hey, if that's, uh, if that's Baker Mayfield, if that's Kyler Murray, if that's Jalen Hurts, you know, that's six, you know, that's six points. If that's Jackson Arnold, that's probably six points for, for OU. It wasn't just those moments, okay? It's been all the moments prior to that this year. It's been him being able to find that receiving core and make those guys around him even better than what they are and to just really play within himself. I don't care that he overthrows passes or underthrows passes because he did that in the Texas game as well. As long as you keep your mistakes to a minimum – and prove that you can run the ball and make good decisions when things break down around you like he has, eh, that's a really good quarterback. So, yes, I do believe right now, if I had to bet, I would take that plus 1,200, go lay some money down, because I do feel like Dylan Gabriel is going to win the Heisman Trophy. I feel that right now. Ask me in a couple of weeks, that may change. Who knows? Knicks and Penix light each other up, duel it out. I may come back and tell you, well, as good as Dylan Gabriel is, those guys are, are just a shade better and would get my vote if I had a vote. But right now, yeah, if I had to vote today, I'm voting Dylan Gabriel. And I voted for the Heisman for a few years. I would have no problem giving my Heisman vote to Dylan Gabriel. Unfortunately for him, and unfortunately with that win, OU did come out a little worse for the wear in the injury department. Um, on one hand, you've got uh, right guard uh, McCade Matuire, who is out, but good enough, but good for him. Uh, high ankle sprain. But then there's Andrell Anthony. Okay, Gentry Williams, by the way, fine. And we'll hear from Brent Venables on that 
Uh, but Andrew Anthony is an absolute huge loss. And before we talk about how to make up for his production that will be gone here over the over the next, uh, well, actually, every week after this, um, the rest of the season, let's hear from Britt Venables. Let's hear what he's got to say about Andrew Anthony and just the loss that that OU is dealing with right now on that. Yeah, McCade, um, we're looking at best-case scenario for him. Uh, he'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. And um, Andrell is going to have to have season-ending surgery. What about Gentry? We saw him. Leave. Yeah, he's good. Okay. Yeah, practice today. In good shape as Troy? well? Troy? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Andrell's been so good for you guys. How mm-hmm. tough of a loss is that? And yeah, it's tough. Now, you hate it for him. You know, we'll, we have other guys and hate it for Andrell, how hard he's worked. Uh, we got the 6-0. He had a big part, you know, in, in, uh, in helping us get there. Uh, but, again, all of his best football still in front of him. And uh, he'll have a, you know, a great career on the back end, you know, of this, of this uh, surgery. Doesn't have much swelling. And um, so that usually means it's a quicker, a little quicker re- recovery for him. So I hate that for him. Um, but this gives some other guys some opportunity. The bye week couldn't be coming at a better time for Oklahoma. One, because they need the rest. Two, obviously they've got to get healthy. And now they've got to figure out how to replace the production of Andrew Anthony, your best receiver. Now, in other years, this would be absolutely devastating to lose a player of this caliber. But because OU has one of, if not the deepest, receiving core in America, you got an opportunity to have guys step up and take on a bigger role than what they've already taken on. Now, look, Andrew Anthony, 429 yards, 27 catches, and a touchdown. That's really good. My first thought was, well, great. This gives an opportunity to get Nick Anderson more involved because the guy's only got 11 catches this year. It feels like he has more because seven of those catches, seven of them have been for touchdowns. So you can certainly get this guy involved more. He's got the hands. He's got the speed. There's no reason why you couldn't throw to Drake Stoops, uh, the sure-handed Drake Stoops, more than what you're you're doing now. I mean, that would certainly make a lot of sense. We've been begging to see Austin Stogner get involved in the offense. Well, now's the time to get Austin Stogner involved in the offense. I still have I still have yet to wonder why we don't see him get more targets per game or why Jeff Levy doesn't want to utilize the tight end more, especially in the red zone. But now you get the opportunity to do that because he's another weapon out there for you. Uh, Jalil Farouk, or as I like to call him, Little Debo. That's that's his new nickname for me, Little Debo, as in Little Debo Samuel, Jalil Farouk. That guy should be on the field every single down. And that is a guy that when you're Jeff Lebby and you're scheming up plays and you're riding on the dry erase board, figure out how, the, how to get the ball to him. A hell of a lot more often, just like you did this past week. And we'll have more on what kind of recognition Jalil Farouk is getting coming up here in just a second. Um, You could also go Jaden Gibson, uh, who finally got the opportunity uh, to show show what he could do. Um, Because he was was called into action after Texas. I mean, he got a couple of targets, didn't catch him, but the guy's got a big 6'5 frame. You could use him. And then, of course, there's Brennan Thompson, who is the um, who's the transfer from Texas and who got on the field versus Iowa State and uh, caught two passes uh, for sixty two yard for sixty two yards, including uh, fifty four catch fifty four yard catch. 
So there are guys there. Gavin Freeman, uh, Jacquez Petaway is also available. So you've got dudes. Are any of them as good as Andrew Anthony? Probably not. But they're not so far off from Andrew Anthony that they're not going to be productive. In fact, Dylan Gabriel today on ESPN uh, had a chance to talk with Kelsey Riggs, and Kelsey asked him about Andrew Anthony and. Here's what uh, the quarterback had to say. Yeah, I hate it for Andrell. He's a, a great friend of mine and someone, you know, I just think very highly of. But, you know, I know he's going to come back better and stronger, just the type of person he is. And, you know, I'm excited for the, the younger guys to step up and for their opportunity uh, that's pre- present for them. So I'm excited for them. Hate it for Andrell, but he, he's a brother and he's going to be right next to us all every step of the way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember, I, I told you that was on ESPN. He was visiting with Kelsey Riggs versus Col- or on College Football Live. I was about to say, what, versus College Football Live. On College Football Live. Well, it just shows you the kind of recognition that OU is getting right now. And go back to, let's go back to the Heisman talk for a second for Dylan Gabriel. Why I believe he will win the Heisman? It's because he's a quarterback for Oklahoma. And if you're saying, well, wait a second, didn't all the quarterbacks who won Heisman's at Oklahoma come under Lincoln Riley? No. I I know that's what young people think. I I know that's a very millennial, sorry, not picking on the millennials, but I kind of am, or Gen Z kind of attitude. Uh, But last time I checked, Jason White and Sam Bradford didn't play for Lincoln Riley. Those guys managed to win a Heisman. Those were the guys whose shoulders that, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray stand on. Okay, this is an Oklahoma tradition. It's not a Lincoln Riley tradition. Okay, it's an Oklahoma tradition. That's why Dylan Gabriel is going to have an opportunity to win the Heisman because voters are going to associate great quarterback play with Oklahoma. Because for a year, yeah, you're right. For a year when Lincoln Riley was gone and OU was struggling. And Caleb Williams was the best player in college football, or at least the best quarterback in college football. That's what everyone thought. But what Dylan Gabriel is reminding people of is this isn't just a tradition that started when Lincoln Riley got on campus. It was here long before him. It's a tradition that will continue long after him because the understanding of whoever coaches Oklahoma about how important quarterbacks are and how great they need to be and what they are judged against here at OU, you're always going to try and recruit somebody who can measure up to what those standards are. And even if we thought Dylan Gabriel couldn't, somewhere along the way he realized what those standards were, and you give him credit for playing within himself and being able to reach those standards. Um, Speaking of Dylan Gabriel, not only was he on ESPN, uh, but Dylan Gabriel... Uh, also, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. He's Danny O'Brien, Quarterback of the Week. He was the Maxwell Award Player of the Week. Congratulations to you, Dylan Gabriel. You did everything but win a Heisman uh, for beating Texas. Jalil Farouk getting a little flowers as well with the Paul Horning Award. Raise your hand. Did you really know the Paul Horning Award existed? Come on. It's all, Well, one, it's, all, it's only been around 13 years. It's only been around since 2010. But he had 180 all-purpose yards against Texas. Again, nothing bigger than that 16-yard catch that he made to help set up Dylan Gabriel to Nick Anderson. And uh, Walter Rouse, uh, the left uh, tackle, uh, got the Outland Player of the Week. So OU, on, on the national scale, you're number five in the country. You're moving up. 
And if you start to look at the rest, of, you start to look at the rest of the schedule. Now you start to realize, God, man, there's a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff here. Yeah, there is. And you're going to be possibly a double-digit favorite in every single game from here on out. That doesn't mean there aren't some traps. And if you're looking at where the possible trap games are and how Oklahoma can fall back into that same Oklahoma pattern of losing the teams that they shouldn't lose, keep an eye on Kansas, who plays Oklahoma State this week. There's a tough game. Keep an eye on Brigham Young and Provo towards the end. I'm still a little bit leery of TCU. And despite the fact that Oklahoma State hasn't been any good this year, even though they beat Kansas State, Bedlam should worry you. But the reason Bedlam should worry you is that Oklahoma State will come out and play their absolute best game of the year because this is the last time those two teams are going to play. You're playing that game in Stillwater, and the last thing you want is to send Oklahoma off to the SEC by them just adding to their their bedpost total in, in this game and and knocking and knocking off Oklahoma State in what what could be a very one sided ball game. So yeah, that game should worry you just a little. But here's why you're not worried, okay? And I've been saying, look, if you've listened at all to my radio show, I've been very critical of Lincoln Riley now for going on four years back to when he was at Oklahoma. And it really started for me, God, did it start after the LSU game? Is when I lost faith and started realizing that as long as Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, they were never going to win a championship because Lincoln Riley's program were always Lincoln Riley's programs are always soft. Think about it. Alex Grinch. Everybody's giving Alex Grinch crap right now. Alex Grinch had a sterling reputation. Before he started coaching for Lincoln Riley, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is because he's going to ruin them. That's what Lincoln Riley does. When you go back and you look like when you look at all the important moments, go back because you've got it on DVR. You know you do. If it's not on DVR, guess what? It's an instant classic on ESPN Plus. Go back and watch that Texas game this week. When you think about the absolute biggest moment in that Texas game, it was the goal line stand that OU made with Texas on the one and keeping them out of the end zone four straight times. Nothing in that game was bigger than that because that is what helped builds a program. That is what institutes a culture change. And if you don't believe me, listen to Brent Venables. Brent, two days later, you got any new perspective on the goal line stand? No, I, I mean, in the moment, I mean, I got on the bus afterwards and I'm like, y'all understand what... We want to build a program on that. And what is that? That's uh, mindset, attitude, physicality, toughness, spot the ball at the one, and put everything on, on who we are uh, from a, a DNA standpoint, a, a standard standpoint on, on that series right there. And that tra- should transcend in every part of our program. Belief, um, toughness, physicality, attitude, all of that. and. Uh, you don't give them an inch. You don't concede anything, and uh, and so, you know, it was to me. It it was the the win uh, was really important from a, a credibility with our guys and moving forward and building the program the right way. But that was a moment that you want to capture, and uh, you don't want that one to slip by. 
and uh, to me that's the standard and we talked about that both right after the game um, I got back on the bus with the defense and you know we had a moment and I was freaking that's what it's about to me and then uh, and then we talked about it first thing you know to start today you want to build a program on that and it's not just defense it's just it's it's everybody it's moments like that where I thought two years ago two years ago if you if you bring Brent Venables in you'll have a change of culture because Brent Venables is going to bring a tough culture Brent Venables understands what it takes to beat Southeastern Conference schools. He understands that you have to have a defense that's probably better than your offense or at least a defense that can shut down these high-flying offense and plays with physicality, plays with toughness, plays very good assignment football, and is usually pretty stout athletically. He understands all that, so if you bring him in – it will increase your odds of winning a national championship just simply because of the way that the guy is going to run his program. And that's proving to be true. And what you saw on Saturday, again, because we're looking at the big picture from Saturday, what you saw on Saturday, and I know a lot of people like to rag on Texas and give Texas crap, you know, the whole Texas is back, but they're not back. No, you want Texas to be back. The whole reason you want Texas to be back is because you want to feel like that was a good win. Right now, it's not just a good win. It's a great win. Why? Not only because Oklahoma's back, but Texas is a good football team. And what we saw on Saturday were two teams that could definitely compete in the SEC, especially this year. Because if you don't think Oklahoma and Texas couldn't compete in the SEC, then you haven't been watching college football. If you've been watching college football, there is nobody in the Southeastern Conference besides Georgia that should scare you if you're Oklahoma. So let's say Alabama's not good. They're good. And and Alabama, believe it or not, is getting better. Alabama's much better from when they from when they lost to Texas. Okay, all the way back in week two. They've really cleaned things up. That defense is pretty stout. But they're not so good that I don't think Oklahoma couldn't beat them. Oklahoma could definitely beat LSU this year. That defense is terrible. Mississippi State, despite their win against Arkansas and showing a little bit of defense, wasn't very good against Alabama or LSU in prior weeks. A&M, A&M's A&M, lost their starting quarterback. They've had their issues as well. Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Florida, certainly not South Carolina. They're 2-3 and three this year. They're, again, there's no one. It's Georgia and everybody else in that league. And while OU and Texas may not be as good as Georgia, they're certainly as good as every single team under them. So no, I wouldn't put it past OU and Texas that if they were in the Southeastern Conference this year, they couldn't compete. And if both of them continue on the trajectory that they are right now, the next year should be a hell of a lot easier transition than any of us thought. That finishes up this week's episode for the Sooner Schooner Show. We'd like to thank you uh, very much for listening. Please remember, five-star rating, write a written review. We want the critique because we want to know what kind of content you want. Uh, But more importantly, we want you to take a screenshot of the five-star rating and the written review and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com because Pete will send you back a uh, Heartland College Sports koozie. We will talk with you next week when we break down OU's game against Central Florida. Until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And since this week we are celebrating the great Diamond David Lee Roth, former lead singer of Van Halen.
who celebrates his 69th birthday this week, I will say, to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, when's the last time you tried something for the first time? 